0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Nintendo Everything Refresh, the official podcast of Nintendoeverything.com. We are coming at you every single week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. And what a summer it has been. Uh, pretty much every week we have had some big news. Uh, and that continues this week with uh, some Pokemon news. That'll be the first thing we get into this week. Um, there was also a, a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes Nintendo news that came out of some, uh, some recent Nintendo uh, meetings. Uh, And we have a lot of games to talk about, um, including a new Square Enix kind of remaster from from the golden days of the PSP. So lots to talk about. Uh, But first, we are joined by Dennis Gagliardotto. Hello, everyone. We've got Nicholas Shaday. Hey, everyone. And unfortunately, that is it. Uh, (laughs) Louise is not here today and uh someone made a comment uh on last week's episode they're like wow like it hasn't been a full show in a while and yeah we're we're sorry about that we're uh <laughs> you know we're, we're all we've all we're all all over the world right yeah so uh <laughs> we, we all rotating. have different <laughs> different time schedules and we're, we, we try and coordinate the best we can um but fortunately because there's four of us uh we can still do a great show with three people so um so we've still got a lot to talk about Um, Let's jump right into the biggest topic of the week, which was uh, we got a surprise Pokemon Direct or Pokemon Presents as they are calling it now. Um, it's it's an interesting name, Pokemon Presents, because I always want to say like Pokemon Presents,
1: but they're not like, like <laughs> presents like gifts. Well, I mean, know? I mean, they kind of feel like that sometimes. Kind of, uh, yeah. kind of a gift even though they kind of save it for the end, because the first you know the first half of any yeah. Pokemon <laughs> Presents lately is always just like guess what's new in Pokemon Go. It's like oh let me guess new Pokemon like <laughs> you know, but uh, but right. by the end it right. usually the, feels. Fr- the first
0: half is like is like when you're opening. Like the Christmas gifts that, like you know, are not going to be exciting.
1: Yeah, know? those are all the and then... socks
0: and the underwear and stuff. <laughs> right, right. Then you get to the big one underneath the tree, and right, you know, then, then you're <laughs> Just cruising. sifting
2: through all the all the mobile games so we can get to the big ones. Yeah,
0: yeah, the yeah. real games. I, I guess I'm not surprised that we got a Pokemon Direct because at this point, they've I feel like Nintendo has talked about most of their other fall games and this was kind of the big, the big question mark that we just hadn't seen too much of since it was revealed back in, I want to say February or March. Uh, Around We had there. the reveal yeah. for Scarlet and mm-hmm. Violet. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so we got this big Pokemon uh, kind of blowout presentation, and it started off with some things about uh, Pokemon Unite, uh, Pokemon Cafe Remix, um, just some smaller news tidbits, uh, but then we did get about 10 minutes of uh, gameplay, really, and... Um, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and they revealed a lot about these games. We got a really good look at the uh, region, the Paldea region. They did confirm that it is going to be totally open world. Um, you can like, you can even. and This was the most exciting thing for me, is that you can uh, go through the gyms in a non-linear order now. So you can really, you can choose which Oof. order you want to tackle. The games rolled in which is very different for them
2: yeah it's not yeah I th- there's i have some issues with that but we can get to that later <laughs> as i say you sound ske- you sound skeptical <laughs> yeah it, there well there's one big caveat to that that they didn't really clarify but yeah. that was posted on their website uh which kind of sours it a little
0: okay all right well we will get to that um but yeah, we also got uh, close looks at the uh, Legendary Pokémon, which um, there's also some, some, some questions about them because so they're they're rideable Pokémon and they transform into both um, motorcycles and like a flying mode. So you actually use the Legendary Pokémon to traverse around the world. Um, so that was another big reveal. And then um, I, I guess a lot of it was just kind of just sh- showing off just the, the world and the graphics and... Um, we got to look at the the big gimmick for this game, which is, oh, I'm totally gonna butcher it. Um, Terrestrializing, am I saying that correctly? I believe it was
1: terrestalized.
0: Terrestalized was for the... Ter- this. Yeah. there we go. That sounds better. Um, so yeah, so I, as a whole, I'm I'm curious. I mean, obviously there was a lot of details packed into that, but um, let's start with you, Nicholas, <laughs> since you seem <laughs> not so sure about the direction that they're going with this one
2: um i mean for my like on my perspective is i'm just kind of i don't have strong negative opinions about this but i also don't have strong positive ones at least when it came to the presentation it felt very by the books in terms of what they were showing off like here's the gimmick here's some new pokemon here's like a brief look at some of the characters and places in the region um it's fine people that are really excited for these games are probably more excited by the presentation than i am and that's fine it just felt kind of iffy to me uh, in terms of it didn't, it didn't sell me on it, (laughs) essentially. Um, I guess when going, going back to what I was saying about the gyms, uh, what they talked about is that, uh, even though you can do the gyms in any order based on the website and also previous leaks that have been on the ball in terms of everything revealed, but mostly the website they've talked about, they mentioned that the, gyms uh basically did not scale in levels even if you went to like the last one first uh right right. specific wording is something along the lines of like you can challenge yourself and go to stronger ones first which implies that there isn't much scaling which i feel kind of defeats the purpose of giving you the option of doing them in any order like yeah you can challenge yourself for some of them uh, and do some of the harder ones first which is fair and that is you know that's good. But then you also leave yourself having to do the, like, early gyms later, at which point those are a complete joke if they're not scaled level-wise. So it it seems kind I mean, of bad. Yeah, backwards.
0: no, I, I, I totally see what you mean. I mean, I I guess in my head I'm like, well, we've seen this a ton lately. Like, that was kind of what Breath of the Wild did, even. You could go straight and try and take on Ganondorf from, from the start if you wanted to. Um and then you know you could go back and do other things in the game world so i i think that that whole like kind of just open-ended structure can work but yeah no i do understand your concern about the level scaling um
2: i mean even in I'm breath sure. of the wild even in breath of the wild when you beat a divine beast the world scaled around it like yeah granted you could do the final boss right. first but that would be the equivalent here of like going to the league first like, the the sort of, I guess, gym equivalents, if you want to try and directly compare Breath of the Wild to Pokémon, would be the Divine <laughs> <Yes>. Peace. And, <laughs> and those did scale. So, like, I just, like, it, I'm, I'm really glad this is something they're implementing, and hopefully they can refine this in future entries. I'm just not super happy with the initial direction this seems to be going in.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I, I think that's understandable. I mean, it's it's different, to be sure. And they're making a lot of of big promises. Um, personally, I, I fall on the end of the spectrum where I, I'm pretty excited for this. Like, it seems to me that a lot of the changes they're making, you know, like people have been asking for open world Pokemon for a long time. People people have been asking for something that looks like, you know, it, this game seems like they're they're finally putting like the attention to detail into the world and into the visuals. Um, you know at a higher level than they've ever done before um and I'm, I'm also it just seems like there's gonna be a lot to do they said there's uh three different like story like tracks for you to follow um and i'm really curious to see how that will play out because we really only know what one of them is being the gyms that was all they really talked about in the in the direct but i'm sure sh- i'm sure there's a lot more going on um Dennis, what about you? How are you feeling about these these games now that we've finally gotten a chance to see more of them?
1: Yeah, I I thought the trailers were great. Um, I, we got a lot of information um out of this and it definitely looks much better than the first trailer did i'm not saying it was a better trailer overall but just visually anyways um i just feel like there was a lot of uh polish that's been done since the the prior to the last trailer and um but I, I can definitely see where the concerns and stuff come from especially in particular with the level scaling i don't think it bothers me as much as it has been everybody else but those concerns are absolutely valid um Because it does, Nicholas is absolutely right, where it does absolutely defeat really the purpose of having that open world nature and taking them in any order. Because in a way, it still keeps that linearity because you are naturally probably just going to go one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to eight, you know, versus like, oh, let me do one and then four and then two and then six, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, depending on, you know, where you are at that point in time um so uh, you know as much as as i would love to you know explore because with big open world games like this i love exploring i think the environment having a fantastic environment is what keeps me immersed more so than a story or even truly the gameplay because i'm someone who just loves to explore you know, if you just give me a nice, beautiful open world, I, I will get lost in that world. The next thing you know, 20, 30, 40 hours will pass by, even though I've accomplished absolutely nothing, <laughs> you know, so, right. Uh, right. so, but yeah, it, 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 you know, having that sense of reward when you're exploring is also incredibly important. And, you know, when you have those inevitable, I don't want to call them restrictions, but when you do have those almost, um, that padding uh, set in place, it doesn't really feel as user focused. It still feels like it's um, influenced by the developer's game design and intention of how they want you to play. But in the guise of giving you this open world of like look you know now you don't have to you know go through a black screen really quick to enter a new town you know or you have to or whatever Mm -hmm. you know it's just a matter of you know now you can move anywhere without a loading screen but you know the game is still effectively the same even though you do have that option but you won't accomplish much you know unless you've really over leveled (laughs) one pokemon but that's not even a thing anymore anyways because xp share has always been on now for the last couple of generations so everyone's you know every single one of your pokemon is gonna uh level up with you, so you, you don't really have right. one that's particularly overpowered, but yeah, uh, overall though, I, I think it looks fantastic, I'm super excited for it, this is the Pokemon game I've wanted for a long time, especially since Sword and Shield and Sun and Moon before it were big disappointments to me um, and don't even get me started on Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon those were absolutely pointless um, so, and then Let's Go wasn't even that special, I, I felt I think it, it didn't that too much influence from Pokemon Go, I kind of Right, well, they were away. going for a different
0: audience with that yeah, one, really, sure. you know, um, but, but yeah, no i i I think I'm with you, you know, i I think th- a lot of the concerns that the die hard fans have are t- are t- totally valid, and i I definitely understand where they're coming from. um but for me personally, when i ha- what I've been wanting from the Pokemon games has just been a big world that I can just truly get immersed in, you know, something closer to. To something that is gonna sound bad but like you like when you're playing a Pokemon game like they feel just very I'm having a hard time finding the right words but I've always wanted a Pokemon game that feels like more than a Pokemon game you you get what I'm saying like I want Um, a Pokemon game that feels on the scale of some of these other big RPGs and I feel like maybe it was due to just you know, they're, how they originated as these smaller handheld games. Um, but yeah, like even with, with Sword and Shield, it felt like we were kind of taking a half step towards these games being, you know, a full RPG on the scale of something much bigger. Um, because you can do more on a handheld now, right? So so yeah, so for me, just, just seeing the scope of what they were trying to build here had me really excited, being like, wow, like, this is what a modern day Pokemon game can really look like um and it's it's the first time i've been excited for a pokemon game in in quite some time
1: personally yeah i i think it looks fantastic and i I, you know and it almost feels like a breath of fresh air too because everything about it feels new never mind just the fact that it is a new direction for game freak but even the art style is a little different right it doesn't have that typical pokemon look It, it seems like it's tweaked a little bit more And uh, I love the new art direction. Um, All the Pokemon we've seen so far look really, really great. And uh, all the character designs as well from everyone that's been revealed so far look fantastic. I mean, everything about it just feels so fresh and it's colorful and it's vibrant. And uh, yeah, this new region looks really, really, really great. And I don't know if you guys have seen the map illustration, but it's it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. map, beautiful map.
2: Yeah, region Pokemon region maps are always great. Yeah, <laughs>
1: They're always yeah. Look fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah um, so
0: now I, I'm curious. So, like the um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the new gameplay mechanic that they showed off the terrestrializing. Um How do you guys think? Do you guys think that's gonna have a big effect on the game as a whole? Because to me, it seems like something that's gonna like be you know offer up a lot of potential for people who are really focused on, like, I want to have very specific builds for all my Pokemon. I want to have, you know, like, go out and, and seek all these very specific, like, variants that can make these specific transformations. Um, because I I don't know if I've mentioned this already in this episode, but um, with this mechanic, you can basically, like, shift your Pokemon and change them into a totally different class. So your fire, fire Pokemon can become a water type Pokemon or something like that you know um so I feel like there's a lot of potential there for people who are really hardcore about like wanting to have very specific lineups um I, I want to see like how deep it can really go you know
2: yeah I think from a competitive standpoint it's definitely going to have a major impact just because uh the mind games you're able to play w- with an actual like human opponent in terms of like hey I'm, I'm throwing out this Pokemon that is weak to this but it might also potentially switch to like any other type that suddenly is strong against the move it would have been weak to. Um, it creates a lot more, just a lot more mind games, I would think. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops competitively. Um, from like a casual story play, like a story playthrough, I don't. I have a like the mechanics fine. It's at its core, it's a power up where uh, the move that you're like you change your type and then all the moves of that new type are increased so it's you know it's a power-up but the whole idea of there being mind games you can play uh by changing your type to something unexpected doesn't work as well in like an ai battle perspective because there's not really a need to be like trying to out outplay an ai since they usually aren't they're not making decisions uh on the same level that a competitive player would so i feel like mm-hmm. it's going to not have um it's it's going to shine mostly in competitive play and like casual playthroughs i think it's mostly just going to be hey i get a fun power up for like this battle and my pokemon is going to be able to hit a little bit harder which is you know it's fine um it's, i think it's interesting that the the power up itself doesn't you have to like manually renew it the website mentioned that, um, once you've used the terrestrial, terrestrialization, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> once you've done the magic thing, uh, yeah, you magically. either have to go back to a Pokemon center or you have to find a random like power source, uh, in the wild to be able to like regenerate your energy to be, to use it again. So it's not something you can just use every battle, which is, yeah, that's, that's well, that makes interesting. Sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because otherwise, like, what's the point in even having the various types of Pokemon, right? Because you could just change it to whatever you want at any time and then win every battle easily. So yeah, there has to be some type of, of balance there. No, th- that makes sense. And and I, I agree with what you're saying about how it might affect competitive play versus... I mean, I would not proclaim myself to be an expert. I don't want to speak for all the hardcore Pokemon fans out there, but I feel like this mechanic would give them a lot of room to play around with, for sure. Whereas, yeah, I think, you know, casual players like myself for example are mostly just interested in just exploring the world and just the experience as a whole so
2: mm. yeah um i think the hats are weird <laughs> personally they're, they're yeah, kind I'm of fun but also them. man yeah. they're weird
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: i'm not too crazy for them myself
0: uh, Wait, i i must have totally missed this Are you're talking about like hats
2: on like the the player characters or hats on the pokemon um, when you sterilize the pokemon And they get all shiny and sparkly. They also get these giant hats that represent the type. So, like, your fire type would get a giant chandelier. Your mold type gets, like, a giant diamond. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how I missed that.
0: I'm looking at it right now. It's... There's a lot. It (laughs) looks very
2: out of place.
0: It's like they're a chandelier hanging from, like, invisible ceiling or something. Last generation, the gimmick was
2: everything gets big. Now it's they get sparkly and get huge hats.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, it's like just when you think they've like run out of different things to do with the Pokemon, they're like, "No, nah, we'll just make them turn into, you know, pieces of jewelry." Sure, why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts about this game? I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick it up on day one because um, I generally don't do that with Pokemon games, but, um, but it does look really good.
2: Yeah, this is probably going to be. Uh, I never ended up picking up Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But this is probably going to be a game that I consider getting. But like one of the first Pokemon games, I don't actually pick up day one because I still have my doubts and I would like to see more reviews. Um, Otherwise, I think it's (laughs) random, random tangent. I think it's funny that the um, the red legendary has those like tires and yet it still runs on four feet when running around in the overworld. I'm not entirely sure what the design decision Uh, was there, but sure, why not?
0: I think it probably came down to, well, they can't both use their wheels. They have to be different, you know?
1: But then why <laughs> Something give like it two tires? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You're anyway. asking the questions that, that haunt me day and night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so That's what I do best. <laughs> um, I, for, for me personally, I, I think it's super exciting. I, I, I will be picking this up uh, day one. It, it's, I, this is the most excited I've been for a Pokemon game in a long time really and uh, but this new mechanic of terrestrializing is interesting um, I do think it's just a glorified way of visualizing um, stab moves so like same type attack bonuses and mm-hmm. just them just kind of making a mechanic out of it it's still really cool because you have more influence on it because you can just be like alright no now I really want to like you know overpower some of these moves so it's it kind of rests in between visualizing uh, visualizing Stab type moves while being in between like Z moves and Mega Evolutions, which I've missed for forever, Um, because I thought Mega Evolutions were probably the best gimmick they've had in a long time. And in terms of competitive play, like we were talking about earlier, like it it changed everything. Honestly, like Mega Evolutions were like this really cool thing of like you can only do it once per battle, just like this, you know, and. You know it was a make or break situation and could change the tide of a battle and uh, this has that sort of similar mechanic um, as well and I, I love that of having you know this you know it, like like what we were saying with um, you know when you're facing a human opponent versus an AI opponent you know that um, that not being that predictable with it and not be just that uncertainty of like what's going to come next you know your heart's pounding and in terms of competitive play not only is it exciting to uh you know participate in that but it's it's great to watch like x and y was the last time i really spent a lot of time watching competitive play pokemon and uh, so yeah it just excites me seeing all of this and i can see myself really investing a lot of time not only into the game but really getting back into the competitive scene because of all of this so um obviously that still all remains to be seen But, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm just super excited for for everything. Do I still have my doubts? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, it's it's, because with Game Freak, it's always, you know, one step forward, two steps back, unfortunately. Uh, But this seems like a proper, you know, could it be better? Yes. But but this seems like I find like finally we're getting a proper leap into the next generation of Pokemon versus this half step. Like, oh, man, you guys could have done so much more and you guys played it safe once again you know it's like oh well, maybe a much bigger generation. step in the right direction exactly yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: yeah that's fair all right well uh yeah so pokemon scarlet and violet those are coming out on uh, november 18th so still got a couple months but uh once they're out i'm sure we will have a lot more to say about them uh in the meantime we got some other news um from the back offices of nintendo this week um, <laughs> there's never really the most exciting thing to, like, present to you, but like, you know, Nintendo, they have their big investor, you know, financial reports and meetings and things like that, and, um, not exciting on paper, but usually when you actually look closer into it, there are, um, interesting details to, to kind of unpack there. So the big thing, um, at least in my mind, is that, uh, now I don't know about you guys, but, but... You walk into a store around here and it's been very hard to find Switch consoles and really just any consoles lately. Um, it, it's improved a little bit, but because of the chip shortage, you know, mm-hmm. um, there just haven't been as many on store shelves. But Nintendo is saying that they are expecting to uh, be able to up that, like have more consoles on store shelves soon. Um, still not to the level that they want, um, but they are they're hoping to make more of them. Um, but some folks are saying that because, you know, internally, Nintendo is not making the amount of consoles that they want, that it's very unlikely that there's going to be any new Nintendo hardware. Um, so, so I, I, think that's pretty big because, you know, there's been a big question mark for a while over, I mean, there have been rumors since the Switch came out of whether, you know, we're going to get new Switch hardware or, or not, and, you know if if Nintendo still sees themselves as recovering from this chip shortage and they're still not meeting demands for their base model switch i can see them having a hard time releasing a new model
2: yeah i mean yeah i think you're perfectly on point with that <clears throat> it would be it'd be kind of silly to be releasing a brand new model or even a sequel like system when there's still pretty widespread semiconductor shortages i mean we had like a real <laughs> like a real you know live test with the ps5 and xbox series s and x and like god only knows how hard the ps5 has been to find for well, like ever since its launch so yeah i think it's very you know it makes sense that we probably won't get anything super soon uh the fact that they have a positive <laughs> a positive outlook that uh those shortages will start getting resolved is it's nice you know it, it's always nice that Uh, these issues are going to get fixed hopefully rather you know sooner rather than later and uh, it does bring up the question of when are they going to end up announcing new hardware because the switch has been in production for five years and you you kind of have to wonder how long they're going to ride out this train yeah i mean they keep saying like
0: every other year we're halfway through the switch's life cycle so uh, who knows? Maybe they'll be saying that for the next ten years, and then <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just always be on the switch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so I, like, I this think is our it's... last console. <laughs> oh God, I <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's exciting to see the chip shortages and you know supply chain issues are, are being resolved little by little. I mean, we knew it was going to be resolved at you know at some point, but um, you know we just it was a matter of when uh but it, it seems like you know this year is when we start to see things clean up um, I, you know I, I want to use Steam deck as an example where actually they you know were finally able to uh, uh pretty much double production so now everyone that was in you know let's just say q four of their reservations are now moving up to q three and then everyone that was in 2023 now has been bumped up to 2022 so basically everyone that's pre-ordered a Steam deck. still hasn't gotten theirs will be getting theirs this year which is exciting um so uh so you know and and if and if they can do that with a steam deck and you know valve being this gigantic company you know i I think nintendo will definitely be able to do that but you know but yeah to, to meet that sale those sales goals um is still gonna be tough uh just because you know i mean we're talking about a global market that is um not all you know not only Know interested in the switch, which is still very much a high demand console, but it, you also just have to be mindful that you know, even though we're, I you know, some people are going to say, you know, okay, well, we're out of the COVID phase, we're still in the COVID phase, but reg- regardless of where you think we are in terms of COVID, um you know, people are still very much affected by it, and so you know, I don't think yet, you're still going to have to play it safe and you know reserve uh some optimism for how much you're really going to sell for holiday season you know this year right yeah so yeah uh, so yeah
0: yeah well you know one thing's clear uh nintendo has still been selling a lot of games uh that also you know with this recent uh big call that they put out um they shared their their sales numbers for some of their bigger games uh, recently and we got to see how well uh some of their releases have stacked up against each other and um so mario strikers battle league uh which got a pretty mixed review uh i'd say in terms of the broader (laughs) uh broader industry uh, has sold about two million units uh that came out just a just a month or two ago so that could also be a factor but um yeah that one's at about two million units which is pretty low i feel like for a mario game like even considering just when it came out um it just it just did not probably hit the way that they had hoped, um, yeah. but Kirby and the Forgotten Land sold about four and a half million units, uh, which makes it on track to soon uh, surpass uh, Kirby's Dreamland, I believe, to become the, the, the top-selling Kirby game.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so happy about that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is like it's an amazing Nintendo 3D platformer and it's an amazing Kirby game and, you know, hopefully it's going to usher that franchise into just a new era of, of 3D platforming because we we really don't get a lot of Nintendo 3D platformers outside of Mario so the fact that that one did really well is is a huge deal for fans of that genre.
2: I think one thing that was interesting in terms of the sales figures is how uh, they when they put out their list of million sellers, they don't put out every single million sale on the platform it's usually just those that are uh you know more notable they've either had some kind of like uh some kind of sales record or the ones that have sold specifically over a million in the last quarter not just since launch uh and so i think it's interesting that on this list they featured all of the pokemon games except for legends arceus so I'm not entirely sure yeah. what that means. Because that one sold pretty well. Yeah, it I, sold... I thought that one sold pretty well. It sold uh, close to Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, I think somewhere around 13 or 14 million units when we yeah. last saw the figures. But the fact that they're not featuring it here makes me kind of wonder if it had a bit of a slump compared to the other games. I hope not, but I thought it was a little peculiar.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, especially because they did do some of those other like Pokemon spin-off games like Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, um, which came out a while ago. So mm-hmm. you know, that, that is strange. Um yeah, and the Xenoblade games were anywhere on that list, which is yes. also interesting. I know those games don't sell nearly as much, but it's weird that they wouldn't even mention it considering well, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is out yeah. now.
2: I can sort of understand that. I think uh two sold just over two million, it didn't reach three, and uh Defendive Edition sold about one and a half was the last information we had on it so um yeah, i mean they're smaller titles that much i'm not too surprised by i don't think if they were to include every single million seller it would definitely be far too long of the list
0: it'd just be like all their games pretty much well yeah true because <laughs> i was
1: gonna say yeah. like i feel like shouldn't we i feel like i feel like it did reach it like should i mean correct me if i'm wrong but shouldn't uh fire emblem warriors three hopes be on this list technically oh uh, that's a good point um yeah i can
0: I don't know. I, honestly, I totally forgot that game even came out. <laughs> it
2: feels yeah, like a lifetime ago. I don't know how ago. much the uh, the original sold either as like a baseline. But you're correct. That is a yeah. bit of an odd mission
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, there's no predicting Nintendo really, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it helps to get a little bit of behind the scenes look. Um, let's shift over to to talking about some games because that's that's real. That's why we're all here. That's why we all have a Switch in the first place. Yep. We, love uh,
2: the we got... I just like We get the menu we, screen. I don't know about you guys. That's true. <laughs> Wishing that there yeah, that really...
1: yeah, that's all I do is I just
2: sit there just and I cry. staring <laughs> just... wistfully, hoping for
0: folders. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plus we all know, you know, the Switch menu has that really catchy, uh, catchy theme song that plays that's in the right. background. Oh, that's right. That's the so. <laughs> right. Uh... Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. So, okay, no, side note, though. I really wish they had put in that... The, that's like Nintendo's signature thing or like one of them yeah. is like having just like this really awesome like quirky music at like every level of their systems and the Switch is just silent and it still bothers me to this day.
1: Yeah it's it's a little I mean you can tell they took a minimal a minimalism sort of approach with it but it almost went a little too minimal right where it's just like everything just feels so shallow when you turn it on. Obviously when you get into the games they're incredible games they're exciting games but man when you go back to that home screen it's like oh God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need something to traded, now.
2: They kind of traded personality for efficiency. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the games. Um, so this one is not going to come as a big surprise to people who live on the internet. Uh, Square <laughs> Enix has officially revealed Tactics Ogre Reborn, which is a remake of the t- t- 2010 game Tactics Ogre: Let Us Cling Together which apparently is also a remake of (laughs) a game with the Tactics Ogre name. I'm not familiar with this franchise at all, but people have always been raving about them as like really amazing strategy games, really good RPGs with a pretty hard-hitting story. Um,
2: Have either of you guys played Tactics Ogre in some way, shape, or form? Uh, I have not, owing to the fact that there's been like almost no Tactics Ogre. I think the series is technically called Ogre Battle. I'm not 100% sure about that but there have been almost no, no games in the series released within the last decade, so I have not gotten to experience it, now. But I'm really excited that this is out now. I'm, well, that this is coming out, to be precise, because it, it seems like it will be a good first uh, foray into the series and hopefully somewhat of a revival.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not super familiar with it myself because the only game I really knew about was the one on the PSP, and uh, I never had a PSP. I was I was DS all the way, baby, back then. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anytime like you know, and again, this is a Square Enix example of them just like being on a roll, like bringing out like ports of these older RPGs, and also just experimenting a lot more lately. Um, I really love to see it because it's one of those games that I've always kind of like. It, it's been like tucked way, way deep in my mind. I'm like. Oh yeah, people always mention that's a really good strategy game. But I don't really have a way to play it, so then I just kind of forget about it. You know?
2: Yeah, I think the it's made by the same. Uh, the original game was made by the same team that made Final Fantasy Tactics, and people usually praise both of those as being some of the best strategy RPGs that's out there. Right. So I am definitely excited to try those out as someone that has never played a, a tactics Silver game or a Final Fantasy Tactics game. <laughs> dennis you're a pretty strategic person i would say how are you uh, where's your hype at for
1: tactics ogre reborn um it looks it looks really good um i i'm in the same like boat as, as nicholas though where i i i have not played any of them um and, and it, it's saying something too because i i used to download anything and everything that was on the psp <laughs> right like the psp <laughs> was my system uh back in the day really my, i had a ds as well but it was mainly just a pokemon machine um but yeah it, it was but that one just completely just went over my head uh tactics over and uh but it this new one looks really really good and i'm interested in it um in terms of uh you know strategy rpgs uh similar to this uh final fantasy tactics was and is still absolutely a fantastic fantastic game um so you know i I didn't realize it was made by the same team so that's really like exciting news to hear that because i i now that gives me really high hopes for this um it definitely is you know you you have to plot screens right because they're taking all of these old games and really breathing new life into them now granted yeah you know they've they've had a couple of misses also right with like I don't really like what they've been doing with a lot of these like the last couple of Final Fantasy remasters like you know seven eight nine um yeah. where it was just kind of like oh well here it is and then what they have with chrono cross like it, it just I don't that's not that's not what we're looking for
2: <laughs> right they multiplayer endeavors as well
1: yeah exactly um and then uh so so but uh, what they've done now with with what they're doing with tactics ogre and what they've uh done with live alive and what they will be doing with uh, uh dragon quest um you know what they're remaking with in the hd2d engine i mean come right. on i mean that that all looks phenomenal to me so yeah.
2: I I do kind of have... Speaking of HD2D, though, that's probably my one issue I had with this reveal, is that I don't really like the look of the game that much. It feels like that kind of... That kind of thing you always see when uh, they really... When people... Like, companies release collections of old, um, you know, sprite-based games where everything just looks smoothed over and I kind of hate it.
0: Yeah. That was actually one of the conversations about this game this past week was... People who played the original game were kind of comparing the new kind of Square Enix like their HD visuals, and yeah, it's they kind of smoothed out the pixel art. They all, everything looks very different. Um, I don't necessarily think it looks bad, but I guess I can understand if you're if you have nostalgia for that yeah. specific
2: art style, I can see where folks might be a little disappointed. I mean i just came off of playing live alive <laughs> so when it comes to like my sprite based rpgs uh i have higher standards i guess <laughs> there you go yeah hd2d or bust right Yeah, i mean yeah. <laughs> hd2d right, yeah. is like w- probably one of the best <laughs> things square enix has done in absolutely god knows how many years
1: yeah absolutely
2: well
0: um yeah you, I, i'm not sure if i'm gonna be playing this one anytime soon to be frank I like strategy games, but they take a lot out of me like brain wise. (laughs) Like I feel like when I'm like focusing hard on a strategy RPG, it's like my brain just like just totally changes its way of thinking. Like I'll be like be like Mm -hmm. taking the train and like looking around and being like, (laughs) oh there's higher terrain, the stat numbers probably you know,
2: how many tiles it's it's not not (laughs) really
0: It's it's a real problem, uh, no, but yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're kind of exhausting experiences for me sometimes. So I play you, things in moderation.
1: As some, I'm sorry, it's just, that's just like the funniest thing. I've heard sorry, in I didn't a while. mean to break you down. No, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm just imagining you on a train, just actually going up, just viewing the terrain as tiles. It's just the funniest thing. to <laughs>
0: Doesn't happen that often, but yeah. But I'm also People. still playing F- Fire Emblem Awakening, so okay. that, again, that should give you some level of
1: metric. Yeah, I'm just um, imagining all the attendants passing by, like, "Sir, are you okay? Like, I'm sorry." Just, it's tile, guys. Everywhere. It's not your turn to move. What are you doing? <laughs> right, oh my god okay <laughs> sorry
2: oh
0: man um, no 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 that's, that's good this is this is a high quality podcast material that yeah. people people tune in for oh my god but By the way, uh, just wanted i was looking at our podcast analytics lately and uh, shout out to our listeners in sweden i don't know how you found out about us but we appreciate oh, awesome. you yeah oh yeah thank talk you. they make up talk. like they make yeah. up like like 15 percent of our of our listeners so thank you sweden
1: yeah absolutely talk um. Yeah. It's. Uh. But I absolutely agree with you about strategy RPGs. We're like, I love them, and I've played so many of them, but they've gotten to a point for me now where I can only consume them one at a time, right? Because not only do they um, ask a lot of you, but they do train you, <laughs> because there's a lot of right. thinking that goes on. I mean, I'm playing. You know, I'm still getting through Digimon Survive at the moment for a review and uh you know that is is it's it's taking a toll on me (laughs) right especially with so many great rpgs at the moment between digimon survive live alive and of course the recently released xenoblade chronicles 3 so there's a lot of rpgs happening there a lot of strategy a lot of numbers (laughs) you know so uh so yeah it's definitely a, a one at a time type deal for sure
0: yeah. Okay, and I know we're totally on a tangent now, but you mentioned Digimon Survive, and I've heard from folks who are playing that 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 game is mostly uh, a visual novel, really, and that the strategy, uh, like the actual combat scenarios, are a pretty small chunk of that game. Is is that true?
1: Yeah. So I'm getting big vibes of. Um, I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but there's a game that came out forever on the Vita called Utawarerumono. Uh, it's a really long Japanese name. Never got localized. Well, I mean, the, the game got <laughs> it's localized. It's a household name. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. But the, the title itself never got translated to English, so it's always been that that word. Um, those games are brilliant, um, but they are like, they do skew more towards being heavily visual novel, but then when you actually get the gameplay portion, they are strategy RPGs. It very much feels like that. You will be in a visual novel portion of that game for a very long time before you get to... The actual battle portion and then even yeah, and then I, once you're done with that again you'll be in the visual novel portion for a very long time so um but yeah if you're used to games like that like Mono, which is like the first thing that comes to mind um then yeah i mean you, you still enjoy it but yeah it is very okay yeah very skewed yeah. towards the vn part of it
0: yeah I, I was curious we've been getting a lot of these strategy rpgs lately actually it feels like so um, and We're getting Front Mission later this year, too. We're getting some, mm-hmm. some right. Front Mission right. remakes, so that that's exciting. Um, but let's talk more Square Enix. Uh, we found out more about one of their other upcoming games this week, uh, Harvestella, which I, I think a bunch of us are very excited for. I, I think this game just looks amazing um, pretty much at every level. Uh, and now we have a better sense of um, just details about the town and the world. So... Um, <clears throat> So for those who aren't familiar, this game was shown off in a recent Nintendo Direct and it is a kind of Harvest Moon style game, I think for lack of a better word. You know, you got your farming, your fishing, you've got some combat scenarios, uh, dungeons, you know, pretty much the whole shebang uh, for folks who are used to this. Um, And you move through the different seasons as you would, but there's also a fifth season, Quietus. Where all your crops wither and die, and it's dangerous, and etc. Uh, which is actually a pretty cool concept. We, we talked about it a little bit when the game came out, um, but now we, we we have gotten a better look at the town itself, um, seen all the blooming flowers, and getting a better sense for like what you can do in the town. Um, it it just looks great. I, I'm just I'm really excited about this game. There's different jobs um so we were already aware of like you can be like a fighter or a mage um but they also showed off there's like a new class that they call sky lancer which i guess is a uh using a spear and it's like a i i wish i wish (laughs) um there's uh there's social links there's all kinds of stuff so this game is at the top of my radar right now for this fall, to be honest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the game the game looks fantastic. I, I just I, I anyone who knows me knows I love like art styles and art directions. So like immediately it appealed to me. Um, it looks like a mix of a couple of games that I really loved on 3ds uh, games like Stella Glow. Um, it was a game called uh, I'm trying to remember. It was like Seventh Dragon recode, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I
0: just picked up that game because I knew it was going to be lost to the eShop soon. Yeah. So
1: It's a really good game. I liked that game a lot. I kind of like, I spent a lot of hours just that game took me by surprise. I'd never heard of it before and it just came out of nowhere and I reviewed it forever ago and I just, I couldn't put it down. It was like really, really great. Um, But it reminds me a little bit of those two games mixed with, of course, you know, we get rune factory elements there as well. But then you kind of have this visual direction of, you know something, I, I get like a lot of Oninaki vibes from it, and uh, but yeah, the game just looks, it looks, yeah, brilliant. I can see that,
0: yeah. It, I was kind of getting like Tails vibes, like it, not 100%, but just mm-hmm. the way that the characters look and the way the world looks kind of reminded sure. me of like a Tails game, yeah, I can um, see that too. I, I'm just, I really want to know, like, how this game became a Switch exclusive, because it looks really ambitious. It feels like it's going to be a great fit for the platform, but um, I want to know how it came to be that way,
2: you know? Yeah. I mean, it'll, Square's it'll... had a lot of support for Switch recently. I mean, True. I guess even for, like, the last several years, but recently you've had so many games reveal coming to the platform, even just, you know, Tactics of it, which we literally just mentioned. It's there's been a lot of support if if you ignore like the really big high profile stuff like ff16 and the final fantasy 7 remake like switch has been getting a lot of square enix content it's true which which
0: really makes me wonder with all these rumors about how square enix is and these are just rumors but you know after we'd covered um they sold off a lot of their western studios um in pursuit of uh, nfts and and cryptocurrency right as that market crashed which is just (laughs) just shakespeare right there um there have been rumors that they're also trying to sell off more of their uh japanese properties and studios so that they can be bought by sony um and i just i wonder what would happen like if they were bought by sony i feel like the support would end so i'm really hoping that that doesn't happen
2: personally yeah um but yeah, it's, it's really hard to predict acquisitions. I mean, I don't think the, the two biggest ones that happened, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, even three with the Square Enix ones, like, none of them, the, the Microsoft Activision one, the um, PlayStation Bungie one, and the Square Enix, like, all the Ido stuff, I don't think any of them were rumored or leaked at all. So... No. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I don't know how much faith to put in... Uh, these rumors exactly because we've had such high profile ones that have you know we haven't heard a peep of until they actually were announced (laughs) no that's that's true
0: um i think the other thing that just amazes me about this release is like really you're you're totally right that like square enix has been great in supporting the switch but it's been a while since we've really gotten a brand new ip from them i feel like and um all these Mm -hmm. games that we've been talking about like tactics ogre live alive we got the chrono cross remaster like these are all like remasters of games that you know we haven't seen in a long time um, um but i can't remember the last time we got a big budget maybe i'm maybe I'm forgetting um, something yeah
2: big budget not really we had the there were a few smaller square enix titles last year like i think voice of cards was one of them um right right there was okay, another one enough. there was another one that was like some kind of really minimalistic dungeon crawler i think i don't remember what its name was but you're right that yeah this looks no you're right
1: budget
2: yeah no there
0: was um yeah there was voice of cards and then gosh i can't remember the other one it, it was like dungeon encounters i think maybe was that is that ringing a bell that sounds the right actually that yeah, title sounds
1: very familiar yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah they, you're right they've been great with these smaller projects but i can't remember the last time it seems like it, it could have the potential to become a moderately big ip for them if it sells well
1: i think Um, so um it seems like this will be a timed exclusive and i I say that just because like i mean like you were saying nick it it looks very ambitious and i just don't know even though it looks fantastic and i do think it can run on the switch i I don't think it'll be reaching its full potential on the switch and the reason why i also think it'll be a timed exclusive is because i'm looking at the screenshots now and a lot of these screenshots are actually in 1440p which we know the switch doesn't do and um, right. there's actually a couple screenshots here that are done in a 4K resolution, mm-hmm. and there's no, like... Uh, was it? it was, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, you know, the, the 4K resolution, like, even though I'm, like, blowing them up at the moment, there's still no distortion, and there's no, um, you know, like, aliasing I- uh, issues at all. So it seems like they're pretty smooth, unless these are PC screenshots, you know, so mm-hmm. maybe... You know it we might see a pc switch port two
0: confirmed yeah
1: <laughs> harvestella reveals switch two harvestella launch title <laughs> <laughs>
2: but no i think you're right oh, uh, in that these are probably pc screenshots because i think it was announced on steam as well um, oh okay no wonder uh, so i think it's kind of a similar situation uh, to go. what they did with um with octopath traveler where they had a they have both a it's a Switch console exclusive, but then they also put it on PC. That's right, yeah. So you you are cor- you
0: are correct. Thank thank you for being the fact checker of the group. Nicholas. <laughs> We're all just getting so hyped over this Switch exclusive, and you are like Actually, over this Switch so two
1: leak. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, all right, well, hey, let's let's switch gears. We we got a few more games to talk about here, um, and this one is is relevant in particular in the wake of all the Pokemon stuff. Uh, so there's a game coming out uh, soon to the Switch. It's uh, called Nexomon. Now I'm sure you can all, all guess. Uh, this is a totally original idea, not inspired by any existing <laughs> Nintendo franchises whatsoever. I knew it. It's a um, Digimon ripoff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you 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 called it. Um, but yeah, so uh, Nexomon uh, is a a short series. I think there's two games in it now. Of um, they're just these. Pokemon-like RPGs, and um, I I don't know too much about them in particular, like, you know, they seem to be adopting more of like the old school style. I guess you can call it that now, right? Where Pokemon is mostly shifted to these more traditional kind of like third person, you know, over the shoulder style RPGs. The Nexmon games still seem to be going for that, uh, that top-down classic Pokemon 2D style. Um, so maybe meeting that need for folks who are, are, you know, still looking for that. Um, but it does bring up an interesting point about how we're getting a lot of these, like, Pokemon-style games, you know, between these and, uh, Temtem coming out in September. Um, and there were some other ones too, like, if you look on Steam, there's just a ton of these types of games coming, um, from these smaller studios mostly.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think it's exciting, honestly. Just because I mean Pokemon and I think we've talked about this on other podcasts before where like Pokemon I mean really is just a juggernaut of its own and kind of has a monopoly, right? I mean, it, it owns the monster catching genre. And to be fair, it, it defined it. it it you know, it made it into a, a mainstream, you know, global phenomenon that is very much a part of still pop culture to this day i would say so um so but it's it's exciting to have other options um you know so long as they don't label it as because we've talked about this before right where it's like it's a problem right away when you say oh it's the next pokemon killer (laughs) right it's right like let's stop big shoes to fill Yeah, big shoes, stop marketing it that way because I I already know I'm going to be let down right away. No matter how much I enjoy it, you're not going to be the next Pokemon killer. Just stop it. Um, Nexomon (laughs) doesn't do that at all. Instead, it's just like we just offer a very old school Pokemon experience that is uh, different with a different art style, a different way of doing things. And uh, yeah, I I played a little bit of the first one on mobile because these were originally mobile games. And uh, I, thought, I thought it was fine, but then uh, I bought it on PC, and that's where I spent a lot of time with it. But then when Nexomon Extinction came out on the Switch, oh man, oh my god. It, it, I clicked with it much more than the first because it felt like more of a pure Pokemon experience to me. And just how robust it was, and the humor is fantastic. Like I think that's a big thing that you miss in Pokemon games, or really just a lot of games in general, is, is humor right and uh the game is surprisingly funny and nexomon extinction just really scratches that itch for uh if you're a pokemon fan that really wants to go back to the old school style of playing so that traditional turn-based um you know rpg while you know going through grass to find new nexomon and uh you know you are getting badges they don't really call them badges they call them something else i'm trying to remember what and then i think the pokeballs that you use are called i don't i can't remember I think they're either called traps or prisms i think i i don't think they're called prisms i think i'm getting confused now with uh world of final fantasy i think they were prisms in world <laughs> of final fantasy but oh, uh, i thought you said prisons for a second oh a no, no, take no, for a no, monster no 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 definitely not no no definitely not prisons That's though <laughs> funny. What, are you, what are you doing out um, here in the wild you are know, you coming with me <laughs> you getting arrested (laughs) yeah no i guess it's worth
0: mentioning um that both the next month games have been on the switch for a while but this is they're coming now in like a bundled collection yes Um, i think physically as well so um so yeah Yeah. no and and i'm with you you know like these games in general they don't do enough that's different for me to like feel compelled to go play most of them but i do really like the art style of these games and You know for
1: what used to be mobile games they feel fairly ambitious and yeah um they're like actually like surprisingly high quality and honestly they're really well priced also i think the problem with a lot of quote-unquote pokemon either clones or killers is that they they get a little too ahead of themselves and they're you know they want to mm-hmm. price themselves almost if not full MSRP close to it so like 40 US dollars right but the first one's only 10 bucks on the switch and then the second one is only twenty dollars on the switch mind you these games go on sale all the time those are just base prices right so you know you can get them for absolute steals I think I got the first one on PC for 99 cents I mean you couldn't spend a better dollar <laughs> you know <it> <laughs> I believe
0: it yeah I believe it all right, cool. Well, I just wanted to touch on those um since, you know, Pokemon is big right now and there's another option for folks who if you don't like the new direction, at least you have your options, right? Yeah. It's an um, interesting phenomenon,
2: just how many of these exist.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and it's kind of like, you know, like we were just kind of talking about with the with the life sim genre. Like we've seen so many like, you know, I would really credit stardew valley for making making that genre really popular again mm-hmm. but yeah between you know those like stardew valley harvest moon rune factory animal crossing and then you got all the smaller games like my time at porsche uh you one of the ones that I just got released this week was hako life which looks very similar to animal crossing so mm-hmm. like disney you know, Dreamlight like valley is
2: taking a similar direction Disney
0: Dreamlight Valley. Yep, there you go. Nick and I are very excited for that.
2: That's
1: right. That's right, absolutely.
2: (laughs) Campaign it. Campaign it, Nick. (laughs) Yep, yep. I will be
0: the forerunner for that movement. We'll we'll see. I haven't played it yet, but I'm (laughs) looking forward
1: to it. I I can't Um, wait for that podcast the week after that game comes out and we're just disappointed. (laughs) We're just (laughs) just upset. Well, it is is a Game
0: Loft game, so I'm trying to keep my expectations in track. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, one more game I want to talk about, uh, and this is exciting for folks who like those, those, play those big budget games on the Switch. Um, so Sherlock Holmes, uh, you know, you know him, you love him. He's been solving crimes for hundreds of years now, books, movies, video games. Um, the video games in particular have been kind of a, I wouldn't say, you know, like total hidden, hidden gem status, but they're, they're a little bit under the radar. Uh, they're made by Frogwares. Um, and they are based out of Ukraine. They've been going through a hard time with the situation, uh, right now, but they've been making these, these great games. And, um, this week they announced that they are working on a remake of Sherlock Holmes The Awakened, which came out in 2006 and was one of their, one of their bigger games, um, with the character kind of kicked off their modern day franchise of Sherlock Holmes games. And, um... It looks great and it's coming to switch uh in 2023 um they did run a kickstarter uh campaign uh to garner a little bit more support and they they pretty much blew past that so Hmm. um so yeah it looks like switch is getting a big budget sherlock holmes game uh next year
2: yeah yeah worth noting that the kickstarter is um still has let's see 26 days to go for anyone that's interested so there you go yes yes
0: um yeah, I I think Frogwares, uh, they make some great games. Um, I have played some of their other Sherlock Holmes games. Um, I played Crimes and Punishments back in the Xbox days, and I played uh, The Devil's Daughter, which was uh, on uh, PS4, I think was where I played that one. And um, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, they build really amazing worlds um, that you can play through, I think both first and third person. And the underlying mysteries I've always found are really interesting and Um, they're definitely like the type of game worlds that I, I have been able to kind of lose myself in for, you know, 20 hours or so. They're, they're great games.
2: Yeah. I don't have any experience with these. Uh, but I mean, from a presentation standpoint, they seem pretty good. And like, you know, it's Sherlock Holmes. I like Sherlock Holmes. I imagine a lot of other people do. And, uh, if these games are, you know, they're known to be pretty good. This very well might be something I check out when it comes out.
0: Yeah, Dennis, you said you played um, some of these older Sherlock Holmes games too, correct?
1: Yeah, I remember um, playing, uh, I believe, Crimes and Punishment um, on the 360. I played a little bit of that. And it's interesting because I remember when I... I kind of went into it blind. I'd never played a Sherlock Holmes game prior to that. And I didn't know what to expect. My only real exposure to a Sherlock Holmes game was sort of like mobile stuff or just like smaller cheaper stuff so typically they were either hidden object games or point-and-click games right so I was surprised when I started playing Crimes and Punishment on 360 where you actually had these like 3D environments you were walking around like a like a A game like you, you would you know in any normal game like that so I was surprised and you would just do what Sherlock Holmes would do unsurprisingly which is you know investigate stuff and um you know check evidence and whatnot and and it was just awesome going through all of these different environments and i was like wow this is actually like a really polished you know uh, uh, big legitimate uh uh Sherlock Holmes game this is this is fantastic um and then i remember uh... I can't remember if I played it or watched it, just because it was so long ago. But the Devil's Daughter, looking at that, look how looking at how incredible that is, and I always see screenshots on Steam that I pass by. I haven't played it of uh, Chapter One, I believe it's called Sherlock Holmes Chapter yes. One, and that looks just from the screenshots, you know, alone just look fantastic. So it's it's kind of incredible, like how much these games have have evolved and really how big they are, because they they will surprise you. Like if you're a fan of, you know, just you know mysteries and thrillers and stuff like that i mean these games will absolutely surprise you like it's it's you don't expect you know a sherlock holmes game of all things despite that name being so globally known um you know you wouldn't expect them to be as as polished and robust as they are it's really surprising but like pleasantly surprised
0: yeah yeah i i love seeing that you know despite like the challenges going on in the world you know this the studio is still able to make these amazing games and um yeah you know as always the question with these with these games that look very visually impressive from the outset is how is it going to run on switch um but frog i think has a pretty good track record for the most part of making games that are fairly well optimized so um so we'll see but yeah this is definitely one that i uh, want to see more of see it in action run it on the switch all right well uh, that about wraps up our news for the week um thank you to everyone who has listen to us up until this point uh, we got one more thing we like to close close out every episode with and that is what have we all been playing lately um, Nicholas I think I already know your answer so let's, let's start with you how's the, how's your playthrough of Xenoblade 3 been
2: going oh it's going great <laughs> I'm so happy with the game um, I, I got into it a little bit late I started Tuesday but I've been binging it ever since and it's oh it's everything I hoped it would be <laughs> Uh, Louise has a great I'm, video on the I'm channel. I'm very excited about for it. you. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just saying I'm very excited for you because it's been like the game at the top of your mind for a long time,
2: and if you had been disappointed in it, I would have been really sad for you. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Thankfully, it's um, it's great. Um, it's it's super interesting because it's definitely. <laughs> I think there were a lot of complaints with Xenoblade Two about. Um, Tutorials not being fleshed out and I think they almost went in an opposite direction here where the tutorials are really solid But I feel like the whole tutorial section ends up being a little long <laughs> You end up being kind of wrapped up and always learning new mechanics um, For quite a while quite a few areas. I think it's good that they're introduced slowly But it does end up making it feel a little a little slow at first But honestly, that's like my only complaint with it. Everything else has been just aces the story is excellent. The characters are probably the strongest cast of any Xenoblade game. Everything in terms of like cutscenes, voice acting, especially cutscenes. Like my god, the cutscenes are so good. All the action-based cutscenes are great. They look
0: amazing.
2: Voice acting is like super good and like really, really helps characterize all everyone. Like the entire party, everyone's far deeper than I expected them to be, which is great. The combat's super fun, it takes some getting used to, but once you actually unlock all the mechanics and you start understanding when to switch characters on the fly, it gets super, super satisfying. Oh, it's so much fun.
0: (laughs) So so how far in would you say you are, like roughly, Um, at this point?
2: So I did look up how many chapters there were in total. Uh, There are seven, and I just started the fourth. I don't think that's necessarily a good estimate time-wise, because some of the chapters are far shorter or longer than others. Um, but I just got, I, I'd say I'm maybe a third of the way through. That seems about right. Um, I'm level 30 wow. You've know been trucking through. Oh, I have been binging <laughs> to an unreasonable <laughs> degree. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's been fun. Well, <laughs> I've had reasons to do so because the game just keeps pulling you in. Um, but yeah, I, I got my first major like story plot twist literally just before I hopped on to record the podcast so you know it's been fun so you're you're real right
0: now sorry say that again that's great to hear I would just say you're, you're like probably still reeling you're like thinking about the game in the back <laughs> of your mind <laughs> this yes, whole episode the
2: entire time
0: I can't believe that just happened <laughs> yeah. um all right so what, what would you say since you've since you've made it pretty far in uh if you had to give a, a big be- one or two like beginner tips, you know, like folks who are still trying to get get a handle on the game. What what would you say?
2: Mm, um, definitely pay attention to the tutorials. The game is complex, but it also tries to do it. Also tries really hard to teach you everything, even if it does so slowly. So don't like just ignore them and skip through them. Really pay attention to everything that the game is trying to tell you. And I mean, other than that, you know, just have fun. Try out everything. Try out all the characters. Don't just stick to one. Um, then enjoy yourself.
0: <laughs> All right, good advice. Yeah, you know, like, like everyone's mom always says, you know, always, always read the instructions. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always the most important part. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know. um, Dennis, what about
1: you? What have you been playing lately? so i i i'm gonna i'm gonna change it up a bit because i actually believe it or not i actually haven't played to play chronicles <laughs> 3 also <laughs> but um i can't believe it yeah i know well i was gonna wait out on it but my girlfriend surprised me with it for an early birthday present so <laughs> you oh, know, that's I, nice. yeah. so i was i was i've been playing a lot of that and uh pretty much everything nicholas has said has been spot on i, I think you know this is an, an incredible cast um the voice acting is really really great especially compared to two where i felt like the voice acting just Felt very unenthused in Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Like it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was just like no one was. Everyone just sounded tired all the time. The voice <laughs> yeah, drafting you know? was uh,
0: rough.
1: Yeah. Right. can you blame them? It's, it's a big world. They're just well, yeah, about. but it's just like oh Pyra, no, you know that's the, that's <laughs> what it sounded like all the time to me. So I don't know, but uh, but no, absolutely. Everything Nicholas said was spot on. Where you know this game is incredible. It is deep it is rich the world is beautiful whether you're playing in handheld or tv mode it looks fantastic um but uh, uh but yeah i don't i don't want to repeat everything nicholas said but yeah everything he said was spot on if you haven't picked it up yet and you love rpgs do yourself a favor and, and, and pick it up it's a phenomenal yeah, yeah. you don't have been... to play the first two no no, you no probably
2: should because they're also excellent but yes. <laughs> if you're just going to pick up one this is a fine one to pick up
1: yes absolutely good uh, to know good to know but uh, but what I've mainly been playing is uh, uh, As Dusk Falls. I've actually, been playing that. I actually just beat that last night um, on on Xbox. And mm. uh, this game took me by surprise because when they first announced it, I believe at E3 or what would have been E3, um, <coughs> it uh, it <laughs> it was kind of received negatively because when you look at the trailer, it looks the trailer was not very good admittedly and even i was like oh this i don't know what this is this oh i'm not interested in this at all um but uh but then it came out on game pass and i was like why not because i started hearing rumblings of like look if you thought this game didn't look good that trailer didn't do it any favors this story is incredible i was like like, you know what all right whatever i'm interested because i love choose your own adventure games right so i was like you know what fine i'll try it whatever it's on game pass it doesn't cost me anything, right so let me just download it give it a try Guys, let me tell you something. This is one of the best stories I've ever experienced in a very long time. Like it, it took me by surprise. It, it the art style was not for me at first. I was like, "What? Well, this does look like a slideshow presentation," um, at uh-huh. least through the trailer. But then when you start playing it, no, the environments are in three D. But yeah, the assets or the model, the character models are pretty much these two D sort of drawn images. It's really weird um, to be have that sort of conflict of, of direction, but it works interestingly. And, yeah, it is a fantastic game. I mean, wow, the amount of routes, too. When you see the tree of all the routes you can go, um, it is incredibly intricate. And um, it's a game that... I love talking to people about choosing own adventure games because it's interesting how they go through their own story. Everyone can kind of conduct their own narrative, right? So with As Dusk Falls, I mean, there's just a multitude of ways and directions in which your story can go and it is yeah it's just a fantastic story it's it's kind of i don't want to say it's hard to explain but i feel like if i explain it i wouldn't do it justice but i'll try to simplify it where it's basically uh there's these brothers that they need money and they rob the wrong person and they end up um holding a hotel hostage as they're trying to run away and yeah and it oh, all just sort of blows up there it's this sort of crime thriller and it is yeah it is just a fantastic fantastic story i couldn't stop playing it. and see
0: yeah. see based on what i had seen about the trailers which you mentioned were not good at representing the game that wasn't what i thought the game was about <laughs> at all i mean i figured it was some kind of like family crime drama but at no point watching like the trailer was like oh they're holding a hotel hostage like that's yeah you know
1: yeah, it's kind of crazy. But like, that's
0: a much more interesting like hook to me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you're not wrong in that it, it is, you know, you do have that family crime drama in it, but yeah, it, it expands itself into all these different um, ways, and, and it really grips you. It's really, really gripping. So, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, um, including you guys, like, if you have Xbox Game Pass, um, you know, it's available on both Xbox and PC. Do yourself a favor, download it if you love to. Use your own adventure games. It is fantastic i wrote credits on it last night um the real credits because you do get a couple from chapter to chapter but um but yeah it it is wow yeah it's definitely my my personal surprise hit i think
0: all right well that is some high praise um yeah i i very much do enjoy those uh choice driven games um and actually uh i have been playing kind of along similar lines uh life is strange 2 um it was a couple weeks ago um louise mentioned he was playing life is strange true colors and i was like you know what i never got around to life is strange 2 which is like the actual like I, I think people forget about it a lot i think people remember the first game and people remember this recent game but um i feel like life is strange 2 kind of kind of slipped under the radar for a lot of people that was back when they were still doing the epics episodic release structure mm-hmm. um and you know i i personally i was kind of over that at the time so i was like oh i'll just wait for all the episodes to come out and then i never played it um but the kind of the impetus for me to play it was uh, i finally got my steam deck um it came just about a week or so ago and um it opened up like i was like oh my gosh yeah i picked up this game at a steam sale like forever ago and so i have just been playing through it and it's been amazing um and that game is not on switch either which kind of blows my mind um because the other life is strange games true colors is is already on there and i think mm-hmm. they're still working on bringing they they like announced the remastered collection for the switch and yeah i'm I not sure if, it's not sure out yet. if those games are actually yeah. out yet um but yeah i i it's if you liked the first life is strange game um the sequel is is really good it's it definitely approaches some really kind of dark themes and i'd I'd say it's a it's a pretty like tense game um in a different way than the first game where i feel like you know the story here is a bit bigger in scope like there are more implications you know like for example like with the first life is strange game story was very much centered around like this one town and how the choices you were making were affecting the people in it right well the second game is much more like a road trip style um adventure and so you know you're i don't want to spoil it too much but you know your characters are basically something happens and they find themselves on like this like cross-country road trip and so the choices that you're making seem to have much bigger implications and um that was really exciting for me to kind of see this world fleshed out and it plays great on the steam deck too
2: Hmm, that's interesting I've never really heard much about Life is Strange 2, like you said. It definitely seemed like a, maybe not a black sheet, but one that's definitely discussed less than the other ones. Um, out of curiosity, is there any direct kind of story connection between this one and the original? Or is it more like, hey, this is a similar, you know, similar themes and the same framework? It's, it takes place in the same universe, but, um, but at least
0: as far... I'm only on Chapter 3 right now. I haven't seen a ton of, like, major connections. There was one part where when they're on the road trip, um, they pass by Arcadia Bay, mm-hmm. and they, like, mention something and be like, oh, like, you know, something happened there a while ago or whatever. But that that's pretty much all I've seen so far. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's really good. If you guys have a convenient way to play it, I'd recommend it. It's... um. And it's just it's so cool playing it on a handheld man like i don't know if you guys um have seen much about the steam deck or anything but it's it's making me look at my switch and kind of like shun it off in the corner sometimes because, <laughs> i mean <Yeah>. i <laughs> i know that's blasphemy to say but like man like i'm able to like crank up this game to like ultra settings you know like that would run on like a high-end pc basically granted it's yeah. running at like the switch's resolution but the thing just runs without a hitch it looks beautiful i'm able to play it for like three hours or so on on a charge which is perfect for me um so yeah it's it's been great
1: yeah i'm I'm sad i had to uh i i did have it pre-ordered like when the pre-orders first went up and uh yeah i was set for q1 actually when they first started going out but unfortunately i had to uh, due to you know things going on at the time. I fortunately had to had to cancel my my pre-order for the Steam Deck. But yeah, uh, oh but no. I, yeah. But I, I've heard nothing but great things about it, and it looks incredible. And and but I, I've been hearing a lot of statements I actually echo what you've said. Nick, where people have just been kind of looking at their Switch like, eh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't like, know. I can't. You I'm do this. Go back to it. <laughs>
0: yeah, well it's, well, it's it's hard, man. Cause like like I like. I love my switch self i just picked it up this of week course. to play some of the mario kart dlc you yeah. know like it's it's great for those types of games and especially if you have the oled model like the screen on that one still just kind of blows away the yeah, game deck cool. um but yeah like in terms of anything third party i'm like well why would i if i'm gonna pay full price for this game no matter what why would i pay the same price for a version that's not gonna run as well just
1: to play it on my switch yeah because you know? you're when i know you're just gimping right. yourself at that point right mm-hmm. so it, it's yeah you know I, I feel the same way and that's how I am when I look at a never mind the steam deck but that's how it's been basically since the switch launch where you know I, I look at a third party game and I go okay I want to get this on switch but is that the best decision like never mind the fact that like yes I do have the option of portability which is great but it will this be the best investment, and will I get more of an enjoyment out of it if I bought it on Xbox or PlayStation or PC instead? Because right. sometimes, like you know, I, I can make a I, I can forgive if a game is thirty frames instead of sixty frames, depending on the game. It's a it's a game by game basis. Like I can forgive that, but sometimes there's too many sacrifices made. Where it's just like, what what is what what is this? This isn't the same game anymore. It looks like it's beat the hell. You know, and and it runs poor, and it's like, why did you even b- bother running right. this to begin with? I'm looking at you, Outer Worlds. I'm looking at you. <laughs> you know?
0: Well, and and yeah, and and yeah, for me, you know, before the Steam Deck, the question was really, when it was in this case, it was like, how badly do I want to have this game in a portable environment? And usually I would be willing to make those sacrifices to play some of those bigger games, maybe. Like, because for me, like, you know, especially back when the switch first came out when i was in college um i was moving around a lot and i wasn't always at home and so it was really nice to have some of these bigger games on the go well now the question is really if a game is coming out on the switch (laughs) you know and all the other consoles and also pc i'm like okay well if i want to play it portably i'm just going to get the steam deck version because it just seems like the best best option but yeah and um,
1: it's it reminds me of what you said earlier too that i think i think it's a question that comes up in a, an embarrassing amount which is sad to say but it's whenever we look at a game and and we looked at this just for harvestella which is a, a console exclusive to switch and we still ask this question where it's like you know how are they how well is it going to run right, and, right. Then, and this is a ridiculous question that comes up so many times that never comes up really anywhere else i think it's one of those questions that's that, true. that you know it takes us by surprise when the game does come out it's like okay it might perform a little bit better on one console than the other but with switch is always the same question how well will it run i'm tired of asking that question quite frankly so with the steam deck you do have that that you know that peace of mind of just like you know you will have more or less a game that that runs really really well because of those beefed up specs
0: and and just the other element that i just want to touch on real quick you know the other thing that i've been thinking about lately um is you know with the 3ds and the wii u e-shops closing you know there's not necessarily this guarantee that the switch games that we're buying are going to carry forward with us right, right. i mean mm-hmm. there is the chance that nintendo releases a, their next console in a couple years that is backwards compatible with all the switch games and plays them at, at higher resolution and higher frame rate or whatever but there's also the chance that and I, you know this never happens but nintendo maybe hadn't learned from their mistakes and uh, they just do the same thing, right? Yeah. And at least I have some assurance, you know, my Steam library, Steam has been around for, gosh, over 20 years at this point, mm-hmm. And, you know, people have been carrying these games forward with them. And so I'm like, all right, well, if I buy a AAA game on here, there's a pretty high chance, you know, obviously anything can happen, but, you know, they have the best track record out of all of the, you know, major gaming platforms of letting you keep your stuff and carry it forward with you. So... All right, well, that, that was, uh, hopefully I didn't scare off all, all of our Nintendo viewers with uh, my, my Steam Deck love. But, um, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to still be playing um, a lot of these big, big AAA Nintendo games on the Switch um, in the future. So, so don't worry, uh, this will still be a Nintendo podcast. <laughs> um, but thank you, as always, for everyone uh, for tuning in. Uh, this has been episode 20 of Nintendo Everything Refresh. And if you like what we do, please spread the word. Uh, give, us a, give our show a shout out on social media. Uh, tell your friends. And uh, if you have any, uh, anything you want to see on the show, any feedback for us, please leave us a comment down on YouTube. Or you can drop us a line uh, at our show email, which is in the show notes. Uh, beyond that, uh, thank you so much. We will be back uh, at you next week with more that is new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys later.